Yeah, dude, this is going to be so quick. Yeah. We're literally just going to recap, and then I have a couple over-unders, and then we'll just be like, hey, we're going to be gone next week. Come back. Perfect. June 19th. Yeah, it's going to yeah, be that's like... That's what's up. Listen to this. Zakamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakawani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Uh, this is Side by Side, Steve Zakwadi here, and we come to you right now following the Sounders dropping points at home to Austin FC. We're going to recap that game a little bit. And then, of course, there's no game this week. Um, the whole league's in a bit of a break. So we'll kind of take a quick stop of what um, the team has done so far, where we're at in the season. Has the team maybe even overachieved? That's a convo worth having. And we'll keep it sweet and short today. Sounders, Austin FC, for the second week in a row, we saw the team drop points at home. And, you know, Brad and Casey and myself were on the broadcast in the stadium doing the game. And, you know, I didn't think Austin was that special, to be honest. I didn't think, I thought, look, the first two thirds, they were fine-ish on the ball. Um, Their attacking group, they had no threat whatsoever. But then I didn't think the Sounders were great again. And there's a lot to unpack with the Sounders there. Um, so I don't really know where to begin. What I would say is <laughs> this has to be one of those disappointing draws, right? Yeah, for sure. That That's the one where we go into the locker room and you really let, especially going into a long break, you want to you wanna end on a high note at home because you have to pick up points at home. A draw away from home is fine. You saw Austin. They were stoked after the game. Like, hey, yeah. we picked up a point on the road. That's great. But we have higher expectations at this club than, you know, to tie an expansion team at home one, one in, in kind of a drab game. Um, I think that's like exciting. the perfect adjective drab. Yeah. Like, very drab. It just wasn't, there was nothing exciting about that game. Um, so I think it was a missed opportunity for the guys and one that you hope yes, 18 points. Um, but as I look at the standings, you know, we played the galaxy San Jose and Portland are the teams that are above the playoff line right now. The rest of the teams um, are not that we play. And yes, we talked about, okay, the opening schedule is now we've gotten points against playoff teams from last year, but that doesn't really matter right now. It's, it's who we're playing against this year. And uh, judging by the standings, it's great to look and see that our teams, um, you know, obviously at the top of the standings, that's something that we should, always strive for but uh we should be playing better soccer as of right now and we can get into about why we're not you know playing the best soccer right now um but if we're speaking just about results not the result that uh the fans wanted not the result that the guys wanted um doesn't feel like a loss but it feels like a lost opportunity yeah why why isn't the team we've been saying it for a couple of weeks now where you know the results are great at some point, you're going to have to raise your performances because it's only so long you can get away with maybe not being quite your best and picking up wins that maybe you shouldn't. You know, the win important, great win. Then, then you turn around and you beat San Jose and then you beat LAFC. That, that was a fantastic week for the team. And we still felt there's more, there's more. Um, we saw one change this week, Montero come in for Will Bruin. I think that changed the dynamic of the team a lot and not necessarily in the best ways. I think Freddie's skill set was on display, of course. Hit a couple of great free balls. He dropped deep. But the question is, was he dropping too deep? Was Raul 
isolate even more than usual. And we always say Raul needs 10 touches and he doesn't mind as long as he scores. But it felt like he had two touches in this game with no clear-cut chances. So was that a big part of it, Freddie coming in for Will? And something seemed off. And I think for the second week in a row, some of the top players, maybe Christian Rodan and some of those guys, Brad Smith, weren't quite at their best either. I didn't think they were sharp. I thought they missed passes that they don't, don't normally miss. Maybe the guys are tired. Maybe they need a break. I'm not sure. But it didn't feel like everyone was on sync in the same page. Steve, yeah. can you elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, the difference between Freddie Montero starting versus Will Bruin starting and like the dynamic, just so for fans to kind of understand a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think when Will starts, it's definitely two up top. It's Will and Raul side by side with Christian behind them. That's very clear. I think when Freddie starts, it's Raul up top with Freddie and Christian behind him. Freddie plays very deep, almost alongside Christian Rodan, which is fine. But then the thing is, what happens is Raul becomes extremely isolated. It's not like you have Jordan on the wing and Nico running around like you did last year when Raul would be alone, but those guys got close to him. Freddie dropped very deep because he wants to drop deep, get the ball turned, and then ask Alex Rodan to run on one side, ask Brad Smith to run on the other side, sometimes Kellen Rowe or Christian run from deep. That's what Freddie wants to do and play balls in behind. Raul doesn't really make runs in behind. He needs players close to him, combine, combine, get the ball wide, find me in the box. So I think with Will Bruin, he makes the team's game predictable because you can fire it into him. Good feet, can hold it up, good body, um, stays high. And he also can link up very well. With Freddie, it's a bit of a different dynamic. You end up having two attacking midfielders in Freddie and Christian and then one guy up top. And I'm not sure Freddie and Raul is the best combination, to be quite honest with you. I don't think, I don't think they passed to each other in the game. I don't know if they did. Not like in a bad way. I just think they weren't in position to find each other. So it definitely looked different to me. I think the balance with Will has been better. There's definitely room for Freddie, don't get me wrong. And But for you know, a couple of steps of offside, he just scored a game-winning goal. So there's room for him. But in this particular game, I felt we missed um, Will Bruin. I think, think, we, think we missed him. Yeah, I, I would echo that. I would, you know, talking with Craig Weibel at halftime, I think we all noticed Freddie dropping deep. And he had mentioned playing that box in the middle of the pitch yeah. where it was supposed to be Freddie, Christian, um, Kellen, and Jao Paulo. Yeah. And I think what that does also is it, I, I want Jao Paulo pushing forward and getting into the attack. And I think if Freddie drops too deep, it negates Jao Paulo's attacking prowess. Yes, he's a defensive midfielder, but he should always be alternating with Kellen Rowe anyways. One yeah. steps, one stays. One steps, one stays. And in that formation, if you're expecting a true box in the midfield, yes, it's great to have two attacking midfielders, but they aren't attacking midfielders. Neither of them right. are actually attacking midfielders. They're converted defensive midfielders. Christian is Christian and then a forward playing as an attacking midfielder. So there was probably a lot for these guys. That's If you're going to play that way, they have to work on it more than just a week. Yeah. Right. They you could tell that there was no connection. And especially if you're going to play a slightly different formation and allow Freddie to drop deep, um, just that cohesion wasn't there and where we thought it might be. Yes. Is the team experienced? We can talk about how experienced a team is, but you still have to train on things. You can't just throw a team out and say, hey, we're going to be successful because we have good players. This is MLS. Right. Even if you're playing Austin FC expansion side. You have to be dialed in because you know that they're going to come in and sit four five one five four yeah. one whatever it is right and make it really difficult for the Sounders to to score. And when they did that, um, I mean they neutralized our attack for the better part of of, of the game. I mean we talked about yeah. it on radio, and um, I think it's a it's an interesting one. But I th I think like Steve said, it can work against the right opponent. 
and it just didn't work against Austin. I see. Yeah. Just yeah. didn't work against Austin. And and, yeah. and and Christian hasn't been on his game for two weeks now. Mm-hmm. Right. And which it's very it's, soccer's so bizarre how he could be on three games in nine days and be flying, right? Making runs in behind, the touches there, the passes are there. And then you get six, seven days off. You have a game, not great. Okay, let me rest up, get another six, seven, and then not the greatest game. It's so strange how this sport works and how the body, and basically it's the mental side of it, right? Totally. No reason why the body should be able to do what he did three games in nine days and not be able to do it two games in 14. So there's, there's, there's the mental side of this whole equation too. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and maybe, maybe he's, you know, a little bit disjointed as well and, and not sure of his exact role when it changes too, because he's a creature of habit. Yes. He yeah. can switch uh, positions, but he likes consistent formation. At least that really helps out a team. So. Yeah. Um, before we put a bow in that game and kind of look at a more big picture stuff, did we see anything, learn anything from Austin FC? I felt you know, I, I applaud Josh Wolf, their manager, you know, someone we both played against. Um, and, you know, we know that coaching stuff. Well, they were bold. They had a clear identity. I thought they tired after 20 minutes, to be honest, the way he wanted them to play. Their press wasn't as good as it was in the first 20 minutes for the rest of the game. Maybe the start of the second half, too, when I had a break. But they, they just had no attacking threat. I thought their front three was absolutely, honestly, abysmal. It was so bad. And there was no threat. So... I don't know where that team finds goals. I think they, because so many teams make the playoffs, they do have an outside chance. But when I, I think it's a game, the Sounders are going to kick themselves. Because, you know, I would have liked to see, one thing I will say, sacrifice a centre-back and bring on an attacking player. I don't think you needed three guys back there in this game. They just, there was no threat. I think you could have, 60th minute, sacrificed a centre-back, um, kept it, you know, Yamar and Nuhu centre-back, take an Ariaga off and put on an attacking player, maybe even a laver, someone else, just someone who's going to give you more in the final two thirds. I think you would have maybe unlocked them a bit more, but Austin FC. Yeah. I didn't see much from Austin FC to be honest. Yeah. Not much. I mean, like, like we said on the broadcast, the the last comment was, it looked like an entire team of midfielders playing. Yeah. Right. It was like an entire team of Brad's playing (laughs) on on the pitch against the Sounders, like not really good at one position, but they all could play a position pretty good. That's what it felt like I was watching. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of like master of nuns kind of. Exactly. (laughs) No real threat anywhere, but they were able to like cause havoc and get out with a tie. Yeah. Yeah. Big tie, man. We have the best record in MLS. They came in at our house and tied us. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if Austin was playing at home, it's really tough for that team right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to give them credit to be able to get a result at, Lumen Field um, with their schedule and not having a home game, not being able to sleep in your own bed and just wake up and have a game that day, man, that's a great feeling. And for them to, you know, be eight, seven, eight games into the season and get a result at this point, I think they're really happy about it. Yes. Was it the most attractive? No, but you can see that they want to play, which is good. They're not a Cincinnati where they have no idea what they're doing. Right. They know how to keep the ball. They have some ideas. They just don't have two or three pieces that can take them really to the next level. Like Pochettino is supposed to play up top, but he was receiving the ball so deep and not effective in front of goal at all. He's supposed to be an attacking threat. So, but that, but also that's a credit to the Sounders because we know how good this team is defensively. So Austin has had some success against a couple of other teams. And now you come up against a Sounders team. You're, 
just because Austin didn't have that many chances, no team has had many chances against the Sounders this year. So still a credit to this team doing very well defensively and neutralizing whatever attack Austin thought they had or thought they were going to have in this game. Yeah, because yeah, no, they right. have a couple guys. Like Diego Fagundes back from when he was on the Revolution, he kind of lost his starting position because of Carlos Heel. But like they've got some like guys on Austin who, you know, this is yeah. kind of a cool opportunity for them to reinvigorate their careers yeah. a little bit. No, they have pieces for sure. For sure they have pieces. But I think we're right. I think they, they probably are missing um, two or three players. And for the Sounders, if we look at big picture, eight games, unbeaten, five wins, three draws. Um, two of the draws coming in the last two games at home. But I mean, it's been a great start to the season. It really has. Um, in my personal opinion, I think the team has overachieved even what they would have probably expected to be unbeaten after eight games. I think it's only the Sounders and maybe Nashville that haven't lost. Um, and Nashville has like six ties, so it's not really um, the same bracket. They're like fifth or sixth in their conference. The Sounders sit first. So maybe the team's overachieved. Um, what comes next is what scares me a bit because these national team call-ups. So for sure, Raul's gone. I think we know that. I think we know for sure um, Ariaga, I believe, yes. is going to be going. Nuhu. Um, Nuhu. Yeah. So now we really get to the depth part because Stefan Fry's out, George Lem's out, Nico Ladero's out. These are long-term-ish, um, all of them at least in some way. Not to put a panic on anything, I think it's been a great start. Coaching staff always seems to figure it out. Um, should we be maybe a little bit concerned now that you're losing some very key guys? Probably not all at once, but they are going to miss games um, in the in the weeks coming up. Uh, yeah, I, I think we should be concerned. Absolutely. If I'm if I'm the coach right now, and I'm trying to imagine myself in the coach's room right now, when when we used to walk in there, it's a really small room. Let's paint the picture. Yeah. And there's six, seven guys sometimes sitting in that room. It was, you know, Ziggy Schmetz, Tommy, Jimmy. Uh, Gonzo, then you had Garth in there and Adrian yeah. sometimes would pop in and they're talking yeah. in like 20 square feet. And then you'd walk by that office and then you'd immediately turn around because you didn't want anyone to look at you and you didn't <laughs> want to be involved in that conversation or even have them think about you because you know that they would be saying something. Oh, what about if we put him here? <laughs> right? They're trying to be like the master of tinkering at this point. Yeah. And this is where coaching, the true coaching comes in right, is, is the ability to now plug in players that you've said all along you trust in, right? We trust these guys. We're going to give these guys a chance. Early in the year, we had a couple young guys starting and everyone seemed to be good. And now we're at the point eight games in where it's like, hey, we might have five young guys on the field starting uh, for us in this yeah. summer stretch going into late June, July. And now it's really the onus is on the coaching and uh, what these guys can do with the players you have. And that will be the truest test for me. Um, yeah. And we, and totally. I mean, on the, yeah. On the bright side, it's a really cool opportunity for Schmetzer right now. I mean, Brad, yeah. you talked about this, you know, when we were talking about how he wins coach of the year. Yeah. If you get through these summer months with, yep. with averaging two points a game or one and a half, then that's a real, with these players, then you're yeah. really talking, you know, coach of the year for sure. Depending on how things shake out. Is it early? Yes. Um, but even right now it's, you can throw them in that equation because we've lost significant players and been able to get results, right? Yeah. With the yeah. points that we have no doubt, no losses. You have to be considered there. No staff yeah. you have to be considered. So, um, yes, concerned for, for mul multiple reasons, right? Yeah. Missing players, yeah. all this. And, um, it's going to be really tough looking at the schedule. It's galaxy away. Salt Lake home, quick turnaround 
on all those games. Uh, Vancouver here, which is good. And then the toughest game for me is at Colorado July 4th. Mm. That's always a really hard one because the stadium's rocking. It's a whole production. Yeah, Colorado's flying right now. Also, that's going to be a tough one too. They always do fireworks on July Fourth. There, always do fire. Yeah, oh my god, it's the worst. I'm like a production side. It's just like, gosh darn it, why are there fireworks? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that that that, we always we always seem to play on that day, and that that is a tough game. Um, so I think I think you mentioned made a great point earlier, but I think the team's done fantastically because teams don't even have. I don't. Stefan Cleveland's had to make one save that in three games that he made with his face on yeah. Sunday. And apart from that, teams are being resorted to shoot from 30 yards or so. And it's been very comfortable, maybe a few set pieces here or there. So I think the sound is defensively have been out of this world. I view this now as what an opportunity for either or, or both, um, Will Bryn and Freddie Montero. Right. Because Rude, yeah, this is where you are going to be. You are going to be the main man. Because when Raul said, there's no question, he's the man. Um, what a chance for these two now. Can those two work together? How will that look? You know, can we encourage Freddie to stay a little bit higher? Um, because he's going to have to, because once Nico comes back, he can't come back that deep anyway. So he has to get used to a bit higher. So I look at that opportunity for those two. Um, I look at Shane O'Neill. I, I think he's been a bit hard done by, to be honest. I think Shane belongs in a starting 11. I think he should be playing. And uh, now he's going he's gonna to have to play. And so he can get another chance to show. So I think from that perspective, Though there are some senior players who also have um, a great chance to really grab the ball by the horns and show they belong. But we are going to see, hopefully, Atencio gets fit, Leva, um, Dobelair, some of, some of these guys having to be key players. Maybe, maybe if they don't start coming on 20, 30 minutes, especially if you have a midweek game. So it's going to be fascinating. But I've learned now not to go against this coaching staff. Somehow they figure it out. They're going to do something. Maybe a formation switch. Maybe personnel goes here or there. Um, Who knows what happens with Christian. Do you think Christian goes to the national team or not? Uh, I don't think so. I think that the Sounders are going to do everything they can to keep him here for as long as possible. Um, I I don't know. I mean, it's it's possible. It depends on how things shake out. Uh, Is he deserving? Yes. Um. But at the same time, I, I, I think he's deserving, yes. Do I want to see him go? Uh, selfishly, no. Right. I think the team's going to need him moving forward, especially with Nico out. Yeah. Um, this, this, it's, it's a tough one. So you talked about Montero and Will, and it shouldn't come as a surprise, but remember Raul came in very late in preseason, and it was the Freddie and Will show all throughout preseason. And they yeah. did really well together. And it looked from the videos that we watched, we didn't get to see them live, but from the videos we watched that they were connecting and they seem to have an understanding of how to play together. So I think that's positive moving in. If they can stay healthy, that's going to be the biggest key. Cause if you can have those two veteran guys up top, you're going to give yourself a chance. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's yeah. going to be a lot asked of them, but that's okay. They should be used to it by now. Right. Will's used to it. Freddie, a resurgence. He should be used to it. Yeah. And then the biggest yeah. question mark for me is that three in the back. If you're losing both Nuhu and uh, Ariaga is yeah. yes, you sign Sissoko but he doesn't have any MLS experience. Is he big? Yes. Maybe he can play that center of the center back and be just that last ditch, make a last tackle. Mm. When you get the ball, give it to one of the other center backs every time yeah. or just bump it long, right? Keep it super simple. Win your headers. Um, Cause really who do you play back there of the three? Right. That's, tough. that's the question. Yeah. Do you put Brad Smith back at a left center back and let him, you know, play out of the back or it's, it's yeah. tough. It's you tough. The, the guy you would have put 
George Delem, he's injured. So yeah, that's a good and, point. And, and this and this is where it raises some of the points because you know again not to harp on about it, but that is where someone like Gustav Svensson, who was versatile and could just plug in there, and you know he'll do the job. So that was where the concern of losing key guys came in. Obviously, it hasn't mattered yet, and we'll see how that plays out. So anyway, Sounders eight games, eighteen points, conceded what three goals. None from the run of play. I mean, it's right. been quite an incredible start to the season. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, Key, we have some over and unders. We do have some over unders. Hang on. All right. Um, so our first over under, and these are more for um, as the season continues. So they're more like season ending ones. Uh, over under Raul goals this season. He has six goals in eight games so far. Uh, Carlos Vela set the record a couple years ago with 34. So I put the magic number at 25 over under Raul goals. Under, 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 under by far, because he always seems to go away and miss a bunch of games. And yeah, that's he, he won't play enough games to get 25. I think if Raul should be aiming. I mean, I think if Raul plays 34 games, you can get 20 goals easily. But Raul 16, 18. We'll see if there, probably. I'll yeah. drop it to 20. How about we make the magic number 20? Under, under, just under, ju- okay. just under, just under. Yeah. All right. Um, number of best 11s knew who makes this season. I put magic number at seven. How many best 11s is he going to make? Like already weekly? made a couple. Yeah. Oh yeah. At least five more. Yeah. I would say seven for the whole season. What's the over under seven for the seven. whole season? Seven, not counting already? the ones he already has seven moving Se- on. Seven more. Um, yeah. more. Yeah, I think I think if it seems he doesn't concede and he keeps being as good as he, I would say over. Like I don't see why you wouldn't. He's going to be a MLS best eleven. He's see, been unbelievable. This is my issue now. Is they're going to be searching now for the fantastic from a defender for the rest of the yeah. year? Yeah, yeah. Because if we do not concede, they're just going to be like, oh, they didn't concede again. That's what MLS does, right? Even yeah. though he might be having a blinder and no shots against, they're not going to give him player of the week every single week because that's just not how it works. Yeah. True. Um, I'm going to say under. Under seven. Okay. Uh, My last one is if the uh, points it will take to win the supporter shield. So how many points is it going to take to win it? And I put the magic number at 68. Is it going to be more than you're going to need more than 68 points or less than 68 points? This year to win the supporter shield. See, that's a tough one. Oh, man. Because, I mean, do I see the sound of getting 20 wins? Yeah. I think over. I think in the se- low 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Sound is going to win 20 games easily. That's already 60 points. Throwing some draws in there. Yeah. I think, yeah. I'll say, I'll say yeah. under. Under 68. Yeah. Right. That's a high oof. Yeah. I think just judging by standings and points right now, things tend to even themselves out. Yeah. There's not a lot of points out there, to be honest. Seems like a lot of draws and a couple. Yeah. By the way, I'm like eating my words about the New England Revolution because they're the best team in the East right now. So sorry, guys, for um, underestimating you. (laughs) My bad. Never underestimate Bruce Arena. No, that's a great point. Never underestimate him. Unreal, dude. How he he motivates. And and I only had him one time with national team, and I loved it. He was awesome. Mm, Yeah. We had... He would come in, and the way that he would talk to the group was just so relaxed, and he was constantly joking, yeah. and it was it was really really fun to be coached by him. And I'm glad that was my last national team camp, and uh, his just whole the way he sets up his staff is yeah. just constant joking, one training a day for national team dinners on your own, like be adults, 
right? Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. You guys are coddled and taken care of way too much. You need someone to be like, just be a grown up and be do have free will. Do what you want. But it would be a day before a game and he'd set a starting lineup, but then a player would go in and say, No, I'm I'm starting tomorrow. And then he would change it right there. Mm, Right. So he was it was interesting. Like, yes, he was a player's coach, but also he avoided Maybe that's why he's such a good manager because he avoided the drama. He was just like, all right, you you can start, whatever. If you feel like you're going to perform and you better score two goals because if I start you and you don't, then you're going to go sit down. But I have never heard of that before where a player goes, I'm playing today or I'm playing on Saturday or Sunday or whatever, you know? It's like he like reads energy very well. It seems to work, yeah. Brad, I saw some interesting stuff on social media. It looks like you're working on a new project. Want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I'm working on a little project that is – being fine-tuned right now, we just got done with our first auction uh, benefiting the Rave Foundation. So basically, it's a platform that allows athletes, musicians, uh, really any influencer to auction off their memorabilia, which we all know we've got tons of it sitting under our bed, just kind of collecting dust. And I wanted an easy way for everyone to be able to auction their stuff off while choosing a nonprofit of their choice where they want the funds to go to. So let's say Steve signs on, he can, if he doesn't see a nonprofit that he likes, then he can request to have his onboarded. And we kind of go through that whole process to make sure that we're providing the athlete, the nonprofits that they care most about, uh, while also the fans are getting straight from the athlete or influencer, um, that memorabilia. So as soon as you post an item, we send that athlete a prepaid box to the winner. And then that athlete just drops it off, uh, at, a at a UPS or whatever, and then off it goes. So the first item just cleared and uh, it was a scarf for the Rave Foundation. Um, still a little bit of fine tuning to do, but keep the, keep an eye out because we've got some um, of your favorite sounders onboarded here in the next couple of weeks. I'm sure Steve will be on there at some point. Also, uh, the women's team are, are ready to go as well. So that's going to be really cool and some great nonprofits to support and um, pretty cool. Pretty cool. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's like a win-win-win. Win-win-win. Sounds great. Yeah, no, really great. Cool, yeah. We're definitely going to get on board. Love that. Um, Contrib. Contrib, yes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for always tuning in and liking, subscribing, commenting, all that good stuff. We're going to take a break next week. As the players get a break, we also get a break. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks um, previewing the team's return as the team goes away to LA Galaxy. Should be a nice big game um, to kick back off. The, sec- the next part of the season four. So no, no, no podcast next week. Back in two weeks. Uh, we'll see you guys then. And before we head out, if anyone wants to see Steve with uh, kicking a cabbage, go on Twitter because Taylor <laughs> Graham has posted the picture. So.